message, a new series. It's a series for me. It's hard to just preach one message. It's hard. Because God shows a lot. Uh, this is a series, and I title What's in the Covenant? What's in the Covenant? We have a covenant with God. It's a corporate covenant for the church and God, but it's also an individual covenant between God and your life. It's a family covenant between God and your family. It goes all the way down to the individual. So, we, have, uh, we want to talk about the covenant, but we're not just talking about the covenant. We want to talk about what's in the covenant. What is in the covenant that God has made between us and himself, between the church and God the Father, Jesus Christ being the mediator. Father, we just ask that you give us understanding according to your word. Your word tells us the entrance into your word gives light. And that's the light of life. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name. Amen. In uh, Psalm 89, verse 34, God says, My covenant will I not break. My covenant I will not break. So God's covenant is very important to God himself. So he's saying categorically here, My covenant, the covenant that God has with you, he says, I will not break the covenant, nor alter the word that is gone out of my lips. So that tells you immediately God's covenant is tied to his word. Amen. That's very clear. His covenant is tied to his word. In Psalm 138 verse 2, God says he has honored his word above all of his name. That's what the word says. My covenant I will not break, nor alter the word that has gone out of my lips. So the leaves, the covenant contains the word of God. His word to you. You know what that means? My word. When I give you a word, that's my word. I will not break it. It's my covenant. So what is a covenant? A covenant is, in Bible terms, is a divine agreement between God and man. This covenant is not, never initiated by a man. This is a covenant that is initiated by God himself. And the covenant is settled on promises. Sealed with the blood. It's got to be sealed with the blood. And the one that provides the blood cannot be alive when the blood is provided that being has to die so the blood comes from the one who dies now God is entering into a covenant with a nation a covenant with a person and God says I am God I am a spirit we need blood for the covenant that comes from you I give you my promise I give you my word but the covenant has to be sealed with blood, as it is, was from the Old Testament. And the sign of the covenant has to be circumcision. God made 
covenant with Abraham, the Bible tells us that in Genesis 17, God says the sign of my covenant with you has to be in circumcision. And when you have the mark of the covenant, then God knows that you have a covenant with him. You're separate from the rest of the world. And if there's something happening, he remembers his covenant. He remembers his word. It tells us that in Exodus chapter 6, God said, I have come down because I now recognize and now remember my covenant. And I see what the children of Israel are going through. And I've remembered my word to Abraham, my servant, my covenant. And I've come down from heaven to do something about it. Exodus chapter 6 verse 4, it says, I have also established my covenant with them to give them. That's the promise. To give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage in which they were strangers. So God makes a covenant. A covenant is actually a promise from God to us. And he says, I'll keep my promise. I'll keep my word. It is my word, my covenant, I will not break. It won't alter it. It's not going to say, well, you've acted real bad this time, so I'm going to change my word. I'm going to change my covenant. It's a covenant, it's done. God makes that covenant with us, and you can have a covenant with God on your own. David had a personal covenant with God, and God talks about that covenant in Isaiah. He said, I made a covenant with David, my son is going to come through this very one, and God will not alter it. So it's God's covenant. The two covenants, two major covenants that God made. One was with Abraham, which we refer to as the Old Covenant or the Old Testament. And then we have the New Covenant or the New Will, if you will have it. Which is the one that we have today. So we have those two covenants. In Matthew chapter 26, 27 through 28, we see the enactment of a new covenant that the Bible refers to as a better covenant. You see, I was talking to David this week and he gave me a good understanding, that is David Jones, an understanding of why you have gangs. Gang members are usually, said this is negative, but you can see the positive part of it. Gang, gang members are usually people who have no hope in life. They don't feel like somebody loves them. They don't have their own identity. They just, they're wondering. And then they are accepted into this chief, the guy that is up there, into the gang. And they have to go through certain things to become gang, gang members. And then the identity is in the gang. And the leader of the gang is the one they look to as father. He takes care of them. Then they have the identity. They feel loved. They never felt loved before they came into the gang. And we don't understand it, but they do what the gang is supposed to do. But they are accepted in this new covenant that they have with the gang. They know the gang leader is willing to lay his life down for them. And life will be better because they are in the gang. And if, it, if it's necessary, they will give their own life for the gang. Well, that's a negative aspect. See, we have to understand what the covenant is. 
there are still primitive tribes that are caught in covenant today and blood is involved I, heard, I read a story of a covenant of this missionary that had gone into Africa to, from E.W. Kenya to minister and he was being attacked by the tribes and he couldn't he was, there was nothing he could do but there was a powerful sh- chief it's like a king of a tribe that was so powerful and he found favor that's what we found we found favor in the sight of God we had nothing to do with it God initiated this covenant this um, missionary found favor he couldn't work he found favor in the sight of this uh, chief or king and the king sent his guide to him and said go let him know I want to cut a covenant with him exciting time because what that means is once you cut the covenant you become one with this king your brother and if you attack if any tribe attacks the missionary they are attacking the chief and he's going to come after you you attack my brother that's my blood brother and then when they did the covenant they cut the covenant they are to ask what do you want you have to give one thing that's precious and the king said, I want that little goat that you drink milk from. And that was the only king he that the missionary could eat. Keep down. He said, no. That's the only thing I can... That's the only thing that gives me food. I can't let this go. And the guy said, don't worry about it. The guy that was, you know, the mediator. Don't worry about it. Let him have your goat. Get his staff. Amen? Get his staff. Because everywhere he went with that staff, when the villagers and the tribe of men saw the staff, yes sir, that's the big shot. You can touch this one. Belong. So he got his staff. He's changed. His life became different from that day on. He could minister to the people. I'm going to talk about the staff that Jesus is giving to us later. As we proceed in this message. It's a very powerful staff that brings the enemy to his knee every time we raise up that staff. Every time they bow. Amen. So we have a new and better covenant. Matthew 26, 27, 28 says, Then he took the cup and gave thanks and gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you. For this is my blood of the new covenant. So new covenant means there was an old covenant. We have to change it. This is the blood of the new covenant which is shed for many for the remission of sin. In that one statement, the last part of it, it tells you what was wrong with the old covenant. There was nothing about when God called the uh, covenant with Abraham, he didn't mention sin. This is for the remission of sins. The Bible says it's a better covenant. Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6. But now he has obtained a more excellent ministry. Who obtained the ministry? Jesus. In this covenant, he obtained a more excellent ministry in as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. So you have to recognize this. 
when you become a covenant person, when you get into covenant with Jesus, guess what you have? A ministry. And I'm coming to that. Every one of you is a minister. You are ministers of the new covenant. God will hold you responsible for it. There is an agreement between your life and God. You are like Jesus to God right now. If you've accepted Him as Lord and Savior. He sees you the same way. Jesus made it clear to us. As the Father has loved me, even so. You know, the same love, uh, measure of love is upon your life from the Father. So he is a mediator of a better covenant which was established on what? Again, covenant promises. So the covenant is based on, is established on promises. So we want to know what's in the covenant. Amen? What's in the covenant? What are the promises that this covenant is established or are established on? We want to know the promises that are given to us in this new covenant. That is a better covenant and we have better promises as well. So that tells us they had promises in the old covenant, right? But the promises that the new covenant is established on, they are, they are better. The promises are better. So what was wrong with the old covenant? What was the problem with the old covenant? Why did God have to make a new covenant? I believe that's the area that God is leading me for people to understand what the issue is, why the promises may not work in your life, why the covenant may not work in your life or be very effective in your life, all is based on whether you understand the terms of the covenant, the promises contained in the covenant, and whether you exercise yourself in those promises. If you will exercise yourself in those promises, you will no longer be just human, Amen. But you will understand what Jesus meant when he said, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. You will begin to understand how to operate in the supernatural. Amen. There's something wrong with the old covenant. God had to change it. The reason God gave it was not being done. It wasn't being fulfilled. Something was wrong with the covenant it was a good covenant, but something was wrong with it. And God decided, I'll make a new covenant. I'll write the problem of this covenant, and I'll make better promises for my people. And that's what Jesus has come to do for us. Look at what the scriptures say. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7 and 8. It says, For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. So there was something wrong with the first covenant. And God sought to put it aside. Was it on God's side? No. Was God unable to do certain things? Oh yes, He was. His intention was to bless Abraham. And His seed, every one of them. But the old covenant 
prevented that. Something in the old covenant made it impossible for God to do that. So God sought for a second one. It's in verse 8, it says, But finding fault with them, he said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. So God predicted, I'm going to make a new one. This, this one is not good. In verse 10 of the same chapter, it says, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days. So now he's trying to define the kind of new covenant that he was going to have with his people. Which is the covenant that you are a part of. And you need to understand the part of this covenant because if you don't, it's going to be really hard for you to move on with this covenant. So he's defining that kind of covenant, the kind of covenant he wants, the new covenant he wants to establish with his people. He says, I will make with the, the, for this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they shall be my people. This is the new covenant. So that tells us the problem was his law. The law was not in their heart. Was not in their mind. That made this covenant ineffective. So God will change it. So that the law of God will be in your heart. When you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, the law of God comes into your heart. And it comes into your mind. So that the things that they couldn't do in the Old Testament, you are able to do today. And if you don't believe it, you leave your days as a new covenant person in the old, which was defective. You need to understand the new. And accept the new. And the new is just to buy faith. And the new is also sealed. There's also the mark or the sign of the covenant. In Romans 2 verse 29, it tells us that our circumcision is of the heart, not of the flesh. So your heart is also circumcised when you come to Christ as a mark of your covenant with God. And God sees that circumcised heart and says, that's my person. And this is an effective covenant that will change every area of your life. And you change everything. I'm trying to, in my life to prove this covenant in some areas. There are some, some areas I'm still working on. And I can tell you the covenant is working. It's really at work. You can truly be free. You can truly be free. You can truly expect God to do things. You can live without fear. Because there is a God. And guess He lives in me. He lives in you. Now, in Ezekiel chapter 36, verse 26, I am a Bible teacher. I like to go scriptures, okay? So I use a lot of scriptures to make my points. Hopefully you'll get it, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. When you hear the Word of God, faith comes into your heart if you receive it, and you don't argue with it. Your faith rises. That's why Paul was saying in Ephesians chapter 1, that God will give us the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him, that the eyes of our understanding being enlightened, that we might know the hope of our calling. There is a hope to your calling. You're not supposed to be there, sit there and be ordinary. 
You're supposed to be just like Jesus. Everyone who believes in me, Jesus said, this works that I do, that's the signs that I do, they'll do also. That means you are like, you are supernatural like he was when he was here. But you have to understand that you are a covenant person with God. God sees you different from the rest of the world. You are his, he has a covenant agreement with you and a promise on your life he wants to fulfill. But until you understand it and walk in it, you'll never see it. You will walk, like Paul says, mere men, just ordinary men. I don't want to live in that realm. And, and this is the key here. If you understand, this is what God wants to do. This has liberated my life. I can be free and know that I'm a child of God, and that God is at work in my life, and I don't have anything to fear, because God is at work. It may not, you may not see the completion of His work, but I'm patient enough. By His Spirit, by His grace, I will wait for the work of God to be complete. He who began a good work in you, he'll complete it. I'm waiting for it. This is the key here. It, God says in Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27, I will give you a new heart. That was the problem. You need a new heart and put a new spirit in you. Remember, he says, I will write my law in your heart. In the Old Testament, he couldn't do it. But now he, he can he can do it just you sit him right there. He can do it. Give you a new heart and a, a heart of flesh. He says, I will take away this, the heart of stone from your flesh. That means if you come to Christ, you no longer have a heart of stone. Don't ever confess that you have a heart of stone. God took that out when you came to Him. He gave you a heart of flesh. That means you can respond in a righteous way. He wants this new covenant to be established in your life. He says, I will take that stony heart out of your flesh and give your heart of flesh. He won't stop there. He says, I will put my spirit within you and what? Cause you. In other words, mold your will. Amen? Mold your emotions. So that now you are willing to keep his touches. And you are willing to keep his judgment. In other words, you are doing what is right. And who is doing it? God in your heart. I will put my spirit within you. That's the new covenant. He's going to be in you and causes you to be a changed person. And then it causes the uh, covenant to be very effective in your life. Things will begin to change. But until you understand it, my people perish for lack of knowledge. They just don't know. So they live like ordinary men. And they confess and speak like ordinary men. They talk just like mere men, like Paul said. But we are children of the living God. He says, you will. Notice the word he says, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk, what? In my statutes. And you will. Not maybe. What did God say? You will. Say with me, I will. You will. You have no choice about it. And you gladly would do it. Why? Because His Spirit is in you. He has written His laws in your heart. You have a covenant with it. Your heart is circumcised. You belong to the Lord. You're special to Him just like Jesus was. Jesus didn't need His heart to be renewed or circumcised. But God gave Him flesh. So He can be numbered among us. Amen. 
So that's what it is. It was as a result. That was what was wrong with it. Sin. They couldn't keep God's law. That was the problem. The blood of bulls and of goats couldn't take away sin. Amen. It couldn't. And because of that, the covenant was defective. It couldn't work properly. And now look. Imagine the way they lived in the Old Testament and the way we live today. Some people think, I think the Old Testament has some great power, right? Think, read. Huh? But when you read in Acts of the Apostles, you remember the beginning part of Acts of the Apostles? Boy, you see real power. Amen. Better than the old. Where the shadow of Peter caused people to rise. They were living in the new covenant. Amen. Their shadow. Shadow. Even handkerchief from Paul. They were new covenant people. And that's where I want to go. I want to live in the new covenant. No fear. And you say, well, that's for the preachers. Well, you're listening to a lie from the devil. <laughs> it's not for the preachers. There are many preachers that are as flaky as they come. Amen. They confess all the crazy stuff. It's true. You want to be depressed, go among some preachers. You'll get depressed when they throw me talking. Amen. It's true. Some of them hate their congregation, is the true. They just don't like what's going on in the congregation. They're mad, they're angry. They talk about quitting every day. I'm not criticizing the preacher. I'm telling you what's really happening. Is the truth. You don't have to be a preacher to know this. Truth. You don't have to be a preacher. It's for every one of us. Every one of us. And you shall know the truth. And the truth will make you free. It doesn't say, if you are a preacher, you know the truth. <laughs> they say that. It's my responsibility to know the truth. If the preacher doesn't know the truth, he's not going to be free either. The truth makes us free. I used to think, what's that scripture? You know, Jesus said, you shall know the truth. I know truth. I still feel bound. I, I knew truth, but I didn't understand truth. You understand what I'm saying? I knew what the word said. But I didn't understand it. I didn't even know how to apply it to myself. But by the grace of God, I know how to apply it. And slowly but surely, this word is the truth. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 11 verse 27. It says, For this is my covenant with them when I take away their sin. See, that's the problem. That's it. When I'm going to make the covenant with them in that period when I will be taking away the sin. I know a lot of people, you know, they like messages on sin, you know, uh, telling people what they do, what people are doing wrong. I, 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 I have done that. But I believe to tell people what the remedy is is better. We are free. When you are in covenant with God and you've known the truth, you are no longer a sinner. The Bible doesn't call you that. You are a covenant person. God calls you righteous. 
If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away. All, what all things, everything about your life has become new. That's what the Bible says. Let God be true and every man a liar, including your feelings. Let God be true and everything else a lie. I would rather accept the word of God. You see, it's the word that changes you. Jesus said you are clean because of the word that I've spoken to you. You can just sit there, hear the word, and you have been cleansed. And problems are getting out of your life. Sickness and disease out of your life. Just by hearing God's word. The word is that powerful. Because the word himself is God. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The word is light. God's word is powerful. And you don't argue with the word accepted. When you accept the word, you accept Christ. When you accept the word, you accept God. When you bring God into your life, problems vanish away. Remember, when you lean on your own understanding, and you try to put two plus two, make four, you miss God completely. The Bible says don't lean on your own understanding. Trust in the Lord. In other words, you don't have to understand it. Just believe and accept it and it will be so. It's called a miracle. When Jesus does it, it is marvelous in our sight. That's what it is. God is the one that is doing this miracle. We are people of miracles. You were born again by a miracle. Paul said in Galatians, are you going to go back to the flesh? You're going to live your life in the flesh again because of what you're hearing and what the people are saying. You started in the spirit, now you're going to be justified in the flesh, he said. Who has bewitched you, he said. You started well. You were running well, now you're going back. Going the same way that you got born again by accepting the word and saying a few words in prayer. And your life was transformed. It's the same thing. That's the secret. To you it's been given to know the mysteries of the kingdom of God. To the world, it's a mystery. They don't understand it. This is the covenant I will make with them in those days when I will take away sin from them. So that sin is no longer there to hinder the hand of God. Amen. That's why the Bible tells us, sin shall not have dominion over you. Because you are no longer a servant of sin. He says, you were a servant of sin, but now you are a servant of righteousness. Romans chapter 6, and then he says, you are a servant of God. A a servant of God cannot be a servant of sin either. It's not possible to have both. And until you acknowledge it, as it says in Philemon 1 verse 6, as you acknowledge the good things that God is putting in you, your faith becomes effective. Just by acknowledging it and not leaning on your own understanding. So the real problem with God in the Old Testament, why God could not do everything He wanted to do, was because of this one problem that He had to take care of. And he did it with his son. His son came. Just like us. He was the mediator of the covenant. Pure. 
It's got to be blood involved. And he gave himself. And the Bible tells us we were in him when he was doing that. Just like Isaac, Jacob, and the rod, they were in Abraham's loins when he was in covenant with God. Right? The Bible tells us that. We were in Christ. We were in his loins. So we are born of the Spirit. We have received this nature. That's why I tell you, you have God's DNA. Let God be true and every man a liar. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the Spirit is spirit. So if you are born of God, you are, you have God's hand of life. Right? The child of a, a dog is what? A dog, right? That's the way he said. That's why the Bible tells us as he is. Do Jesus, so are we. We like to quote those scriptures, but we don't think about what we're saying. You understand? We don't think about what we're saying. If, if, if the way Jesus is today, that's the way you are, why come you're so flaky? Would Jesus be afraid that he's not going to be able to pay his bill? Would Jesus be restless at night? He can't sleep. Jesus woke up and said, I really didn't have a good night's rest because I was worried that my bill would not be paid. Right? He'll say, How many loaves do you have? Amen? Bring them to me. You bless the loaves. He was the master. Nothing bothered him. He says, Why are you so afraid? Oh, ye of little faith. He didn't say, You don't have faith. You got little faith. Why are you so fearful? Because of the circumstances that are coming against you? Don't you remember? The loaves, remember? How many baskets you took? Right? It's nothing to fear. Nothing to fear. No matter what the enemy can throw, throw at you. No weapon formed against you will prosper. That's what God says. It's going back to the promises, the covenant. They are established on better promises. So I can feel like a superman. I just can't fly. Amen. Look at what it says. Romans 8. This is the key here. Verse 1 to 3. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. No condemnation. Who do not walk according to the flesh. That means if you still believe you are just, just me. Good old or bad old me. Then you will be bad old good old you. But I like you to think of good new you. Not good old you, okay? New you, okay? You are a new creature. Amen? It's good old you, you, whatever. <laughs> there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus had made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God sent His own Son. 
in the likeness of sinful flesh. And what did he do? He condemned sin in the flesh. Amen. Sin is condemned. Sin is condemned in the flesh. You know, I was talking to, I think it was Eric. You know, I started thinking about this. Well, why did God say condemn sin in the flesh? Why not destroy, you know? Condemn or kill, huh? Kill sin in the flesh. You know, I started thinking, and this is what came to me. A man, when he dies, that's not the final death, right? He's going to, if, he's, if he doesn't know Christ, he's going to be condemned. <laughs> and that's final. Right? When he's condemned in the second death, after the last judgment, that's final. You're dead. You're not coming up. God said, in the likeness of sinful flesh, his son came, he condemned sin in the flesh. So that the righteousness, look at what it says. The righteousness of the law, I guess I didn't include that. The righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not after the flesh, but after the spirit. The righteousness of the law, the intent, the, what God intended when he gave, when he uh, enacted that covenant, can be now be fulfilled in our lives. The promises can now be good in us. Because sin is being taken away from our lives. If you accept, if you've accepted Christ, you're free. You can be free. You must reckon yourself to be a true covenant child of God, to be free. You know, the other day I was talking to somebody, and he says, whenever they have, and this is just survey. I don't know. I've never have that kind of experience, but. I guess it was with Mark. When preachers come together for a convention, the rate of uh, their, the watching of uh, X-rated movies go up. Right? I mean, you've heard that. You heard that? Yeah. Yeah. When they come into town, a lot of preachers come into town for a convention the rate of the watching of X-rated movies. You know, I wonder what's going on. Right? And that's bothered me for a long time. You understand what I'm saying? It bothered me. What's going on? Why do I have to struggle with it? I mean, they're not alone. You understand? I got my own struggle. What's going on? You see, we believe the lie. We believe the line. We still believe that we're sinners. We still live in the old covenant. The Bible is clear. We are servants of righteousness. I have to acknowledge that constantly. In my prayer every time, sin doesn't have dominion over me. I am now a servant of God. I was a servant of sin. I am free from that. You have to establish that constantly. It's a daily battle. From the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent ones take it by force. If you find yourself in a situation like that, begin to fight. Begin to say, like Paul said in Romans 6, reckon yourself to be indeed dead to sin. Reckon yourself to be indeed dead. 
You must reckon yourself. You are a covenant child of God. You are dead. God said you're dead. And if God says you're dead to sin, guess what? You are dead to sin. Let God be true and every man a liar. You are a person of a new covenant. This, allowing that in your life and believing the lie that you are a sinner that we see it every day is going to prevent you from enjoying the blessings of the new covenant. You can't do anything about it, but if you accept the truth, that word of God is going to release you from the sin. No matter how terrible the addiction is, it's, it's got to get out of your life. It's the truth. Satan will condition your mind to believe that this is the way you are. You can change. That's a lie. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creature. Then he tells you all things have passed away. All of them. And your mind has been renewed. And the Bible says you have the mind of Christ. And if you have, the, the mind is the seat of wisdom. If you have the mind of Christ, so you also have the wisdom of God. That's why the Bible says in Colossians, you, Christ has become wisdom to us. We're free. What the Lord could not do in that he was weak through the flesh, God sent in his only son for the covenant, to enact the new covenant with us. And for sin, he destroyed all condemned sin in the flesh. That doesn't say we can never, you would call it mistake, it's actually saying. But that says, I am not bound. I can't have an addiction. Amen. I can't have an addiction. I can't have something controlling me. Once I get a hold of it, then I begin to apply the pressure from the word. I am a new covenant man. You're not going there with me. I'm a new covenant man. What's in the covenant? What is in this covenant? That's why Jesus said, this is my blood that is shed for the sin of many. That's the blood. So that you can be free from sin. I know I don't have this scripture, but I'm going to go there. Before I go further, I've got to stop. Romans chapter 6. I'd like you to read verse 17. And I'm going to, because to me, this is new revelation and it's God. I've gotten into the healing thing. I got into baptism in the Holy Spirit. This is great. I can be free. I can be free. I don't have to struggle. Say, God hold me back because I'm a, I'm a new covenant man. I don't have to do this stuff. I don't have to think like the world anymore. I don't have to. I'm free. I'm free. And God is able to keep me. He says, what you commit to the hands of God, He is able to keep until that day. I committed my life to Him. He will keep me. I'm not afraid of what people think. I know my God. He is bigger than the rest of them. He is bigger. Look at what it says in Romans 6 verse 17. It says, but God be thanked that though you were, what? Slaves of sin. Not Though you are, it's as though you were slaves of sin. Yet you obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine. That's the doctrine I'm teaching you today from the word of God. That form of doctrine. 
You obeyed it. Not just, oh, that's nice. No, you obeyed it. You obeyed that form of doctrine that was delivered to you. And then look at what it says in verse 18 after that. And having been, what? Set free from sin. Not God is going to, the word of God says, God has set you free. That's why he came. That's why Jesus came. That's why he came. To free us. To free us. That's the reason for the covenant. So that the covenant is established on better promises. So that when this one problem that is holding back God from pouring himself on us in every area of life, once this matter is settled, then God says, wow, I'm free to just... I'll bless their sucks off like my brother said. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing that holds him back. And he's taking care of it. He's taking care of it. And we don't have to think about it anymore. Hebrews 10 tells us that. We're free from the consciousness of sin. So we have a better covenant. This covenant is based on better promises. And we are in a better place in this covenant. Because he has taken the problem that was making the covenant ineffective. He's taking it away from us. It is only by faith. It's only by faith. By just believing it. Jesus said, if you can only believe, all things are possible. Would you stand up with me? I have a lot to say, but we'll come back to it next week. Uh, next week is our anniversary. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> So I may not be preaching, I don't know. But it's our sixth anniversary. Our missionaries will be back. The ones, from, the ones that have gone to Nigeria, I don't know about the ones going to Israel. They may not be back. But we want to really celebrate. Please invite your friends. That will be six years for us. Good, happy six years. And uh, we're moving forward. God is with us. God is taking us somewhere. We're glad. God has brought a lot of good people to our church and will continue. God will bring more very good people to our church so that we can grow. But I'd like you to know this. You are a covenant person. I can look into the congregation and see all family this morning. And I know you guys know the Lord, right? You know Christ. Good. But don't allow the enemy to steal, to kill or destroy. Don't allow him. Don't allow him. We are covenant people of God. Until the time of our departure has come, he'll give us trouble. He'll make us handicap, try to, but he'll never win. We will be alive, giving him trouble. Because we are God's covenant people. I'd like you to see yourself, just you and God. You are now today taking the place of Abraham. See, Abraham is no longer here. You are Abraham to God. He has a covenant with you, just very personal. Jesus said, like God said of Abraham, the friend of God, Jesus said, I call you my friend. 
you are a friend of God. You are very special. Let's not make his heart sad because we will not believe him. See? A wife will be really hurt if the husband cannot trust. Right? The same way. This is Jesus. We have to trust him. He feels good when we trust him. We are in covenant with him. All things are well with us. Would you raise your hand today and say with me, I am a covenant person. I belong to Jesus. I'm a child of God. The forces of evil can no longer have an impact on my life. I am free. I am free indeed. Free to serve my God. Free to prosper. Free to be my son. I am a covenant person. Jesus lives in me. Amen. God bless you.